Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 179, and my recap of the muscle car and Corvette Nationals in Chicago, Illinois. McCacken is a show that I've wanted to go to for a long time, and I finally got my chance, and this is my little recap of the event. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Hey guys, before we get the wheels turning on this podcast, I just wanted to say that I am deeply sorry for the quality of my voice. I'm dealing with a horrible cough right now, and it's just tearing my voice to shreds. So bear with me as we recap my trip to McCacken. And if you don't know what McCacken is, it's the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. The Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals, also known as McCacken, is an annual car show that showcases some of the rarest and most significant muscle cars and Corvettes in the world. It is held in Rosemont, Illinois, near Chicago every year and has become one of the premier events for muscle car enthusiasts. The first McCacken was held in 2009 and was founded by Bob Ashton and his wife Vicki. Bob Ashton is a well-known muscle car enthusiast and collector, and he wanted to create a show that would celebrate the history and heritage of these iconic American cars. The show features a wide range of muscle cars and Corvettes, including rare and one-of-a-kind vehicles. Many of the cars on display are restored to their original condition, while others are preserved in their original unrestored state. The show also includes special exhibits, such as displays of vintage drag racing cars, muscle car memorabilia, and even celebrity-owned vehicles. One of the highlights of McCacken has always been the barn find section, where attendees can see muscle cars and Corvettes that have been discovered in barns, garages, and other hidden locations. These cars are often in various stages of restoration or preservation and provide a unique glimpse into the history of these vehicles and is the exhibit that I was looking forward to most when I attended McCacken. In addition to the car displays, McCacken also features seminars and presentations by industry experts, giving attendees the opportunity to learn more about the history, restoration, and preservation of muscle cars and Corvettes. The Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals has grown in popularity over the years and attracts car enthusiasts from all over the world. It has become a must-attend event for collectors, restorers, and enthusiasts of American muscle cars and Corvettes. Overall, McCacken is a celebration of the rich history and heritage of muscle cars and Corvettes, showcasing the passion and dedication of the people who restore, preserve, and enjoy these iconic vehicles. I personally never had been to McCacken, but I had heard such great things over the years about the caliber of muscle cars and Corvettes that are on display, I had to check it out. So finally, thanks to an invite from Phil and Jill Painter from Muscle Cars of the Strip, I was finally able to attend. So thank you very much to my friends over at Muscle Cars of the Strip for making this trip even possible. It was funny because the same weekend of McCacken was also a horror convention, so the hotel was interesting to say the least. Lots of car enthusiasts and old hot rodders mixed with fans of horror films made for a super wide variety of people. And if you enjoy people watching like I do, it made for an interesting weekend. So that was the first thing that really... Uh, Really grabbed my attention showing up to the hotel. I thought it was really funny seeing people dressed like your favorite horror movie villains. 
and things like that. And then you see the old hot rodders and you could easily distinguish between the two groups. So it was just super fun watching everybody interact. If you've never had the privilege of attending McCacken, I highly suggest you make it a priority in your automotive event bucket list. The show itself was nothing short of awesome, huge attendance numbers, and everything I had heard about the show was true. Even the vendor booths were also really cool, just as I had heard. Hundreds of muscle cars and Corvettes filled the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center with a little something for everybody. A few of my favorite vehicles were surprisingly outside of the barn find section, which was just as awesome as I expected. One of my favorites was a blue Dodge Street van that I had seen a couple years ago at Holly's Mo Party, but this time around it was hooked up to an old boat trailer with an awesome Chrysler ski boat. I didn't even know there was such a thing. It was just awesome to see a boogie van there, especially as one as nice as that particular street van. However, I wish somebody would bring a period correct street van to the barn find section i think that would be awesome but um it, it was just really cool seeing a van there so much love to the vans there was actually a few vans there but only one street van um of course there were a few 68 dodge Superstock hearst hemi darts in attendance and all of those were absolutely awesome there was also a modern challenger with one of the best old school muscle conversions i had ever seen it was customized as a tribute to a 71 hemi cuda and it was absolutely amazing compared to other modern tributes of classic muscle cars that I've seen. It was just the front and rear portions were were perfect and it was wide bodied. So it just had an overall uh, a very cool look. Just the fenders were flared nicely and uh, it was overall if I was going to buy a modern iteration of a classic car, that would probably be it. Even though the Exo Mod Charger Daytona, based off of a modern Challenger, was also at the show. It was pretty damn cool in itself, and uh, there were a few liberties taken in the styling department, but overall, I thought they did a pretty damn good job. If I had to choose one, I'm such a fan of the wing cars, but this modern 71 Hemi Cuda just was done. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. It was just awesome. It was for sale, too, for, you know, I forget. It was like 175000 something crazy, but... um very cool car the exo mod charger daytona is well over three hundred thousand. so if um, if i had to spend the money i would probably buy an original but um it, the exo mod charger daytona was really cool and i know it got a lot of criticism for the nose and the fact that it didn't have the flush back window but i thought it was i thought it was done pretty well and if i had to make any changes they would be very very minimal um very cool car uh, quite a few wing cars at the show, actually, and all of them were pretty badass. Even the Superbird that was damaged in Hurricane Ian was there in its um, being built stage. Uh, it was in primer, and uh, it, it's nice to know that both the Superbird and the Charger Daytona that got damaged in Hurricane Ian are both getting restored. But it was really cool to see the Superbird um, from that uh, unfortunate event. Um, it, it was cool to see it in its current state, and I'm sure it's going to be amazing when it's done. Um, I'm not sure, you know, with all the Mopars at this event, I'm not sure that any of Chrysler's famous high-impact paints were missing. I think uh, I think they all made it to the show. If there were any missing, I sure didn't notice. But my favorite car of the show was Wally Booth's 69 Dodge 
Hemi Four Speed Super B. Of course, Wally is not the current owner, but he did campaign the car in the Superstock E Class of drag racing back in 1969. And Wally Booth, for those of you that don't know, is a legendary drag racer from Lincoln Park, Michigan. He gained recognition for his drag racing skills and successful racing career, particularly in the Superstock and Pro Stock classes. He competed in various events and championships, with one notable achievement being winning the NHRA Superstock World Championship in 1971. And in that year, he drove a Plymouth Duster and dominated the competition, showcasing, of course, his exceptional driving skills and the performance of his car. Booth was known for his consistency and ability to extract maximum performance from his vehicles, much like all the other legendary drag racers at the time. But he was also recognized for his mechanical expertise and knowledge of tuning and modifying engines for optimal performance. Throughout his career, Booth raced for various teams and manufacturers, including Chrysler, Ford, and even General Motors. He was a factory-backed driver for several years, representing different automotive brands throughout the drag racing circuit. In addition to his success on the track, Booth was also involved in the development and testing of high-performance vehicles. Booth retired from professional drag racing in the late 1970s, but remained involved in the sport as a consultant and mentor to up-and-coming drag racers. He continued to share his knowledge and experience, helping others improve their skills and achieve success in drag racing. Wally Booth's contributions to the sport of drag racing have left a lasting impact, much like other legends before and after him. His skill and expertise and dedication to the sport have made him a super respected figure in drag racing, and he is remembered as one of the pioneers of the sport and a true legend. The Super B made way into the legend of Wally Booth when in 1969 Chrysler pulled him away from Chevrolet to campaign a brand new 69 Hemi 4-speed Super B. The deal was that if he bought the car at MSRP, Chrysler would fund the entire racing operation, and that's how it ended up going. I'm pretty sure they provided everything he needed, um, parts, uh, even the tow vehicle. So they really hooked him up. He raced the Super B in the Superstock E-Class, and the car's fastest pass was 1098. The B was actually faster than the index for the particular Superstock class he was running. Unfortunately, he only ran the car for one year, which was 1969. The B has now been fully restored and is absolutely amazing. Restoration of the B started a year ago, and the new owner had many difficulties hunting down original period correct speed parts and other little knickknacks for the car. But it did end up coming all together to make its first show post-restoration at Macaque in 2023. And it was awesome to get a chance to see the car in person. And it was my favorite car of the whole show. The thing is just absolutely photogenic and looks really good in pictures and video. Um, out of all the amazing cars there, that one, just because, you know, it, it just screamed 1970s and late 60s drag racing. And it, it was my favorite, the golden era of drag racing, my absolute favorite. So to see a car done so well um, to preserve that history was just, it was just awesome. My experience at McCacken was one that I will not soon forget, and I'm sure I'll be back again someday. Even my wife had a great time since she finally got to join me on one of my adventures. So thanks again to Phil and Jill Painter for making the trip possible, and be sure to head to Vegas March 15th through the 17th, 2024, for Muscle Cars at the Strip once again, and you know we had to bring back Project Cars at the Strip. So be prepared for Project Cars at the Strip number two. I got to get going, folks. My voice is trashed. I hope you don't mind this being a little bit shorter of an episode, but I wanted to share my experience at McCacken. Um, 
you know, my buddies from Mopars 5150, which by the way, they have a new YouTube channel and I'm sure they're going to have a lot of awesome video content there. So be sure to go follow their YouTube channel. Um, they were there, uh, in full force in the barn find section. They brought a, a super B that was, a, it's a, a triple nine, um, special order paint code. It, it's Panther pink. <laughs> so that was absolutely awesome to see. Um, they had, uh, a couple other cars that were there that were really cool. Um, even a Ford Mustang, but we won't talk about that. They did have the blue Superbird that you may have seen. It's uh, still wearing its um, patina. So that was awesome. But um, check out my social media for um, video footage and pictures of the barn find section. It was it was awesome. And shout out to the automotive archaeologist. I know, uh, I, know I haven't been the nicest guy to him due, due to a little personal situation that we had. But um, he he does a great job of putting that together. And the barn find exhibit, you know, when it comes to macaque and <laughs> when the show was actually open, because I got to be there for a little bit before it actually opened doors to the public. And uh, once the doors were open, that place was jam packed all day long. Um, but yeah, Mopar's 5150 in full force in the barn find section as usual. Um, and like I said, they brought that blue, that petty blue Superbird, which is just an awesome, awesome car. Uh, we all dream of finding a wing car in a barn and <laughs> they managed to find one and uh, they saved it. I think it was actually, I don't know if it was actually a barn find or if it was sitting outside, but regardless, it's really cool to see that those cars are still out there, <laughs> you know, for as little of them that were made, you know, the fact that you can still go out there, even with other muscle cars too, don't get me wrong. Um, it, it's just crazy to see that those cars are still being found and saved. So that's really cool. Um, hopefully someday I'll get to have um, a legit muscle car that still wears its original paint and has its original engine. Um, very cool stuff. I mean, I have my dart, but let's be honest, the 273 White Hat Special Dart <laughs> uh, isn't so special. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's just a 69 dart. But um, hey, at least it's a cool color, right? Uh, spring green. <laughs> so... Um, I can't complain too much. I love the car, but uh, I would love to find a legit something cool. You know, Hemi cars these days are just out of out of out of range. But I mean, if you've got thirty or forty grand, you can you can find a nice unrestored, you know, um, patinaed beater, <laughs> ratty, legit Mopar muscle car, and um, you know, hopefully it runs and drives. But uh, yeah, that's just there's something cool about it. I I saw recently a '69 Roadrunner, um, in an ad. I believe it was a '69. It, maybe it was a '70. I might be speaking out of line here. Anyway, the car was virtually unrestored on the exterior, but the interior, um, suspension and drivetrain, uh, were all were all up to par. But uh, it still wore its 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 original paint and all the the dings, dents, and bruises and scratches, um, from, you know, all its years on the streets. So it, it's cool to see cars like that, that, uh, you know, you open the door and they're super nice on the inside, comfortable, good to go. But then the outside still wears its originality, which I think is really cool. But, um, it would, it would be really cool to find a car like that. There's actually a 69 Roadrunner, um, locally to me for 25 grand that, uh, man, if I still had, if I still had all my money from when I sold my Roadrunner, I'd probably try to buy that one because it's pretty damn cool. 
you know, nothing too crazy special about it, but the fact that it's, it, it appears to be wearing its original paint and it's got its numbers matching drivetrain, I think, um, that's a pretty good deal if you ask me, especially in today's market. But, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully 2024, we'll get back on, on the horse full time for talking Mopars here and get a show out every week. Um, <clears throat> I'm working on, uh, lining up some guests and I've been saying that for a while, but I really think that, um, guests on this show really give it a cool dynamic. I'd toss out some names, but I don't want to make any promises I can't keep, but, uh, there's definitely some people I'm going to be reaching out to. So look forward to that. And here's my daughter, Sage, interrupting me <laughs> during a podcast. Hi, sweetie. What's up? Daddy, daddy's recording a podcast right now. Why don't you come here? Come here. Put that down for a second. Come here. Since you interrupted the podcast at the very end, I want you to say thanks for listening and remember no Mopar left behind. No <laughs> Try again. Let me let me let me let me go first. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for joining me once again. We'll see you right here back on Talking Mopars and remember. No no part left behind. <laughs> no no par left behind, folks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Say bye. Bye. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And listen, if you are thinking about swapping a modern Hemi into your classic Mopar, look no further than Blake over at Sublime Technologies. My friend Blake, formerly of DIY Hemi, is now re-energized and he's ready to help Hemi swap the world. So if you need help swapping a modern Hemi into your classic Mopar, if you've got wiring or electrical issues, please reach out to my friend Blake. He can hook you up with everything you need. He can hook you up with a wiring harness. And even if you're just looking for some advice, Blake's a great guy. If he's got some time, he'll answer your questions. Don't forget to tell him I sent you. And let's show him support in his mission to hemi-swap the world. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.